Welcome to Making Sense of Parenting. This show is dedicated to helping parents change chaos, confusion, and struggle into calm, clear connections with their kids, all in a way that aligns with their faith. Hey there, I'm your host, Kelly Shoup, helping you navigate the bumpy road of raising kids. Let's dive into today's topic. Is your child's behavior truly a behavior issue or is it a sensory thing? Could there be some underlying sensory issue that is leading to your child's meltdown or tantrum? Or could it be both? So the short answer is it's both. And on today's show, we are going to talk about the ways and the subtle differences and nuances. And in my experience as a pediatric occupational therapist with over 20 years working with kids and also helping parents with coaching and understanding if it's a behavior, if it's a sensory thing, or why actually is it both? I help parents connect and get better effective interaction and behavior from their children. So that's what we're going to talk about today. If you have just landed here, I'm Kelly. I'm so happy you are here. Again, I help parents understand their kids' behavior, what it means, and then how to get a plan so parents can show up differently, which leads to children behaving differently in a better way. Okay. Sensory is a behavior. Is it both? I think it's both. So I'd like to quickly give you just a definition of the word behavior. The definition of the word behavior is way in which a person or animal acts in response to a particular situation or stimulus. I would also like to give you the definition of the word sensory. So again, this is just straight out of the, you know, Webster dictionary and here's the definition of sensory. Of or relating to sensation or the physical senses, transmitted or perceived by the senses. So the only way that a human registers input or stimulus in their body is through their senses. And so when we understand this, we can understand that the sensory system is just a part of that line or link in behavior. And so I always want to start by addressing the sensory system, because if I can understand and support a child's sensory system and also a parent's, then we can have really great success in how both the parent and the child show up and their interaction and the behavior and connection between both in all the things they're trying to navigate each day. Okay. So now there are other things that come into play 
besides the sensory system. And it's, again, we understand that every human God designed to have a brain, and that brain is registering at any given moment a chemical state. So there's also a neurological state that every human is in at every particular second. And so that neurological state is how our nervous system and our nerve receptors, which are located all over our body and actually help inform our sensory system uh, to feel safe or to feel danger and fight or flight mode. And that nervous system is like the base level that God created humans. So is it's an automatic response. Are we safe? Am I not safe? Is there danger? Do I need to be on alert? There's also how our brains are hardwired. And this is how God made each person uniquely. So the wiring in my brain and how my nervous system registers things is different than every other person's. And so that also has a part in Is it behavior or is it sensory? The other thing that also plays a part is perceptions of a particular situation. And for young kids, a lot of times they they haven't experienced a lot of situations. And so I have to remind parents because parents have done all the things a million times, right? They know how it is to go to a loud high school football game because they've been in high school and they've gone to games before. But if they're a parent with their first child and they're going to meet some friends at a high school football game and they're taking their three-year-old to this event for the first time, the three-year-old might have all kinds of behavior because this is a completely new thing for them to do. They haven't ever experienced this loud band that's in the um, bleacher section right next to them. And so often I will get a parent who will say, you know, my child was being so disobedient the other night. I tried to take him to go meet a friend at a high school football game to watch my friend's son play in the football game. And my three-year-old was just being so disobedient, so disrespectful. And I have to reframe it for this parent and say, your three-year-old doesn't have any idea really how to disrespect you. They were just encountering a new situation that they'd never been in before. And they were experiencing all kinds of different things in their body, their sensory system, their nervous system, their brain was taking in all the activity that goes on at a high school football game, the cheerleaders, the coaches, the flags, the little pom-poms that were being waved right in front of this child. And so usually when I can reframe it and explain it to a parent, they're like, oh, They don't feel like it is a personal attack on the parent. And again, I am a parent. I have three teenagers, so I can completely relate to all of this, that you do sometimes feel like, oh my goodness, my my child is being 
so disobedient or they're being so disrespectful or they are totally not a team player. They need to play on my team tonight because I want to go meet a friend that I haven't seen in a while and watch his son play football. Why can't my kid keep it together and not throw a fit and behave so I can enjoy this night with my friend watching their son? So again, I get it, parents. I promise you I am in this fight. I have been here. My oldest child is almost 19. So I see all the ways that this behavior with our young kids seems like just behavior. But when we dive a little deeper, I can help you see it's really not your child intentionally being disrespectful or disobedient or not a team player. This is a young child with just having a new experience and the way that God created our bodies this child is having some reactions to all of that. And so I do want to just restate that even if it's really not a behavior issue, even if it's not a sensory issue, that normal, healthy development and growth of a child looks like occasional fits or whining or fatigue or um, misbehavior. And I, I restate this and restate this and restate this because there are parents who have an unrealistic expectation. They really do expect perfect behavior from their three-year-old or four-year-old. They really do think that a child should not complain, should never whine, should always do exactly what they are told. And that is just not, um, it's not the case. Again, that reason that, that perfection in a young child's behavior or in a teenager's behavior or in a young adult or my behavior, it's never going to be perfect. And that was how God made us. So we would need God in all of it. So we would invite him in to help us behave better, to act more kind, to be more understanding. So the first model right out of the gate was not going to be perfect. And often I have to remind parents, we aren't going for perfect. We're going for pretty good behavior, occasional, you know, fatigue, whining, tired, a fit now and then. Still, you have a very well-functioning child. Okay. The other thing is that when we understand that every person is unique in how their brain is wired, how they take in and react to stimulus, then we can understand and come up with a plan in how to set yourself and your child up for success every day. And that's always my goal. I am on a mission for parents to understand their kids well and to set up their day for success, for connection and love, to be well supported and enjoy parenting. That is the goal. It is possible. And I help parents do this every single day. Okay, I'm going to give you three ways to help you just get a plan for behavior. So is it sensory or is it behavior or is it both? It's both. 
and all behavior is linked to sensory responses that happen in the body. First thing we have to always do is what is the objective of what I'm about to do or what is the objective of the day? Understanding this and working from this just very foundation is key because I will often have to help a parent who has, again, this unrealistic expectation of how a high school football game could go with a three-year-old. And so if we establish, okay, is the mission of going to this high school football game and taking your three-year-old child, is the mission to connect with your friend who has a son playing, or is the mission to have your three-year-old experience the whole game? Or is it just to, in a quick way, connect with your friend and also give your three-year-old child a flavor of or a new experience? So do you see how each of these three options or each of these three objectives we would approach differently? And I think that this step is so often left out or there's an unreal, there's just an expectation, an unspoken expectation of what's going to happen on Friday night. And so a dad is thinking, okay, I'm going to take my three-year-old. I'm going to go meet my friend. This is going to be awesome. We are going to stay for the whole game. My three-year-old is going to love it. He is going to be a huge football fan. And, you know, dads are sometimes thinking clear out of, and then he's going to play football and then he's going to start for the chiefs. And, you know, we can, we can go that far in our, um, in our thoughts, but then that isn't our reality. Because the reality is we have a three-year-old child who goes to bed really early. So if eight o'clock bedtime, they probably aren't going to last through a 10 o'clock football game. So again, I often have to reframe stuff and say, okay, let's first off establish our objective. Are we trying to do both? Are we trying to meet our friend, connect with our friend, and then also give our three-year-old a new experience? If that is the case, then we aren't going to get to stay for the whole game because to give your three-year-old a good experience, they aren't going to last that whole time with all of the new stimuli that's coming at their body. So their sensory system is working to intake, process in their brain, and respond to all these new things, the band, the pom-poms right in front of them, the whistles, the people running on the field. And so again, it's me helping you understand that's a lot to a little child. And so kids are not small adults. They are children with underdeveloped, not developed um, brains and bodies yet. So we have to adjust and show up in a different way to allow for a three-year-old's behavior at the football game to be appropriate and and to understand so we don't get a meltdown or a fit 
after we've been at the football game for three hours and it's way past bedtime and the child's sensory system is completely overloaded. So they start behaving, you know, just in a throw down tantrum on in the bleachers. Okay. So our objective. The second thing is, is understanding that there is a sensory system. And so if you're here with me, obviously we talk about this all the time, but the second part that's critical to understand is that interoceptive sense. And this is again, that internal sensation sense. And so many people only register five senses, but there are actually eight. So that interoceptive sense is how a person registers hunger, thirst, if they need to go to the bathroom, if they're feeling like they're going to throw up, if they're having pain because their shoe is tied too tight, or if they're freezing cold sitting outside at a football game. So all of these things will impact their behavior but it actually originates inside the sensory system inside of their body. So when I help parents say, okay, you know, we've got to account for all that sensory system. What about what's the interoceptive? Let's look at their, their sleep. Have they eaten all of these things? We want to set a child up in the best way. So if if there's a seven o'clock high school football game in this example of, you know, 7 p.m. is kickoff. Okay. Can we get the three-year-old a nap before he goes to the game? So we know that he's set up and is well-rested. Can we feed him dinner before he goes? So that isn't a way that he, he will melt down. We've covered all the internal things. And then we address the external things like touch and smell and sight and all of those. So that third thing is a sensory profile. And so again, this is those external senses of taste, touch, smell, hearing, sight, and a sensory profile. You can still find, I have a free sensory profile on my website, also my Instagram and my link tree. So you can take this, answer a quick checklist of questions in how your body registers sensory input and also your child's. So when we have this information, again, we just set ourselves up to do things differently and that gives us different behavior, different behavior that comes from us when we understand our sensory system and also different behavior from your child when we understand theirs. So if I understand that a child is very hearing sensitive when I am taking them to this football game to see my friend's son, I might ask that we not sit right next to that band because I knew, know that that is going to be extra loud and extra overwhelming for my three-year-old to last in this new experience of a football game. So when we know those sensory profiles, we can do things differently and that gives us a better chance for success. Okay. So sensory profile, so important and so important as a parent to understand yours, because when you set yourself up for success, then you have more patience with your child. You have better availability to 
get the signs of if your child is getting overwhelmed, which is great. We want to see the signs of, ooh, this thing is overwhelming. They aren't going to last. I need to get my child away from the football game before we have a meltdown and a big outburst of behavior that a parent doesn't want to see. And a child really isn't trying to intentionally do. Again, a young child is just kind of automatically reacting to what their environment is. And when we understand that, again, we show up differently. Okay. The last thing that I wanted to say, because I often have and parents who are like, it's a behavior thing. My child is really being bad here. And again, the, the, there are subtle differences in how to tell if it is really, truly a behavior only thing. But in my experience, there is always, it's always linked to sensory because we cannot separate our sensory system from our body. We just can't. But I will tell you that I often see kids who have had a prolonged pattern of really bad behavior, according to their parents. And when we dive into it, it is that this specific child has had, has been unable to meet their sensory needs. And usually this is a child who is sensory seeking. So they are, you know, bumping into people or knocking down other kids or have a very demonstrative way that they are behaving. But this is a child who has not had success for a long time getting their sensory needs met. So they really do not operate in their bodies from a calm A-OK point, which is always my goal. I always want us to have our bodies in a state of, okay, I'm calm, I'm okay, my nervous system is okay, my emotional system is okay, and then we can, you know, connect and get along with our siblings and listen to our teacher and laugh out loud with our friend. All of that is the goal. But for kids who have a sensory system that needs more input, but has gone a long time without ever really getting to that calm A-OK point, they start to feel defeated and really discouraged because they're the ones who are always in trouble. They're the bad kids at school. They are the ones who, you know, mom is always yelling at them, sit still, stop moving, calm down. And this particular child might be one of those kids that actually what calms their body is moving around. So when mom or dad is saying, sit down and you'll be calm, that isn't what calms their body. So these kids kind of give up. They're like, okay, I've been trying so hard to be good. I've been trying so hard not to move my body because mom wants me to sit here really still and calm my body. So they are trying so hard. Again, with the young ages of three to eight, kids are wired to love their parents, to want to spend time with their parents. And so they want to please you. They really do. But if they are unsuccessful day after day after day with meeting their sensory needs and feeling calm which leads them to their body to automatically 
be moving and active and jumping and bumping into things, then it becomes more of a habit of, yeah, I'm the bad kid. I'm always in trouble. The teacher yells at me. Mom yells at me. The coach is always yelling at me. Stop moving. Stop bumping into people. So then they're just, they give up and they're like, okay, I just, this is what I do. And so then it becomes such a pattern of behavior. And this is hard. It takes a little bit of time to unlearn that behavior once parents start working with me and really we can really get those sensory needs met for a calm A-OK point. So I always tell parents that, like, you know, kids get used to being the bad kid and that even any attention from a parent in these young ages of three to eight is attention, even the negative attention. So if your child, you're like, my child is misbehaving, I don't know why they would, I would, you know, they want your time and attention, especially from ages three to eight. And they, even negative attention, even bad attention, even when you're like, stop doing that, sit down, calm down, be still. You're talking to them. You're focused on them. Even if it's in a negative, not fun way, they'll take it. They want that attention. So they will even take it in a negative way. So I just want to tell parents about this because I often, in fact, I had a, um, a parent I was talking to last week and she said, I'm, I'm going to take my child to a play therapist to really address this bad behavior. And I just encouraged her, let's start with the sensory system. Let's start with the body and see if we can address the nervous system and get a calm, A-OK place before we start looking at the emotions and, and, the, um, and thinking that that behavior is based on more of kind of the, the mental state of that child. And so actually, um, she canceled the play therapist and we were able to have good success and um, better behavior addressing sensory needs first. I am here. I am on a mission again to help parents understand your child's behavior and understand yourself and how you show up with your kids so you have more connection and love and fun. Okay, good luck. Send me any messages, any comments, any thoughts. Please share it. Like, subscribe, all the stuff on YouTube to share it with any friends or family that you have who are struggling in their interactions and the behavior of their young kids. Did you like what you heard in this episode? If you did, please share it with a friend and be sure and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app. Reviews are always appreciated. As a reminder, my show is also on YouTube. In YouTube, search for Kelly K. Shoup. That's K-E-L-L-Y-K-S-H-O-U-P. Be sure to click the subscribe button and hit the bell for all notifications. To learn more about my work, helping families, or to contact me, go to kellykshoop.com. Again, that's kellykshoop.com. Thanks so much 